Jordan. Isn't it amazing how, how God uses song to be a bit of a salve sometimes? Just remind us about who He is and a great testimony and song there. And good to see uh, Sister Heidi here. And uh, appreciate um, just the Lord bringing them along. And she was here last, uh, arrived last Friday. And the rest of the family is arriving this Thursday. So I'm sure they'd appreciate our prayers over the course of uh, their moving back here. And we're excited about what the Lord's going to do with them as um, they make the journey back. But it's good to be here this morning and um, good to hear of good reports here as, at church. And uh, the three young men that, uh, that preached on Wednesday night. And uh, it was a blessing, wasn't it, to, to see the next generation step up, prepare, and um, preach. And, you know, just multi-talented, this, this group. You know, the, John, John was preaching and then the next thing he's singing a solo. I mean... He's done the double this week, praise the Lord, but I uh, appreciate our young people being, uh, being willing to be used of God, and we're going to turn our Bibles to Exodus chapter 18, uh, sorry, 16, Exodus chapter 16, and we're going to look at a familiar story this, this morning, and I hope that uh, we'd be encouraged as we, we think about this, this story, but you know, you're, you're really, you're not the same when you're hungry. Uh, anyone relate to that? Anyone? Oh, we should just have an invitation right now. But, you know, I, I raised my hand because, you know, you, you're in that condition. You're, what, what do they call it? Hangry, right? You're, you're, when you're hungry, you're angry, all right? But, um, you know, some, when they're hungry, they're totally drained. You know, they, they look like they, you know, they've, just because they've skipped a meal, they've lost any kind of strength. And, and suddenly, they just can't seem to function properly. And we see here, I think, a little bit of that in the, the people um, of, of Israel. And uh, look with me in verse 1. And they took their journey from Elam. And all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after the departing out of the land of Egypt. And so you understand that this is, uh, this is now the, the recount of the journey of the people of Israel over to the promised land. They had just... Uh, across the Red Sea and so forth, and now they're journeying. And notice this, and the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and we did eat bread to the full. For he had brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger, notice their response there. Isn't that kind of illogical for them to conclude that Moses and Aaron led them to the wilderness so that they would die of hunger? But again, you don't think clearly when you're hungry, do you? And so there they were. They were thinking that, you know, they, they were saying this is real accusation that they were going to be killed in the wilderness out of hunger. But then notice what God says in, in verse 4. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold... I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. It shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto all the children of Israel at even, Then ye shall know that the Lord hath brought you out from the land of Egypt, 
And in the morning then ye shall see the glory of the Lord, for that he heareth your murmurings against the Lord. And notice that, that Moses highlights that for them, that God does hear our murmurings. He says there, he, he'll hear your, he's heard them. And notice what he says, and what are we that ye murmur against us? And Moses said, this shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat and in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings which you murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. And, and, and Moses understood, even though uh, the, the murmuring initially was against he and, and Aaron, that really their murmuring and complaint was really toward the Lord. They, they understood that they were on this journey. They had just been uh, within the, the, the space of the months allotted there, given to us in detail, that they had just been rescued and freed from the land of Egypt. And here they were on their journey, right in the middle of the will of God. And already they were accusing God of certain things. They were, they were saying things about the fact that they were hungry and now it just seemed like they would wish to go back to the land of Egypt where they had the flesh and the, the bread to the full. And if you're familiar with this story, we know how God responds. We know that, that really he, he understood their hunger, but what was concerning about this was they made their complaint against God and then thought of the solution. And in their mind, the solution was to go back to the, to the riches of Egypt. Go back to their former life, how it was and how it was supplied and, and how all of their hunger was seemed to, seemed to have been addressed in that time. And really that, that was, was concerning. We understand that, you know, one of the necessities of life is to eat. And we understand when our children are hungry that at times they can complain. And we, we got to feed them somewhat. But what, what this complaint was, was a, really, it was disguised as the, uh, this murmuring was... was a mistrust of God in disguise. They, they didn't trust God suddenly because of their sudden hunger, their sudden lack, and now they were looking back. They wanted flesh and bread like they had in Egypt. But we know how God responds. We just read it. Uh, some intercession from Moses and Aaron after that, God grants them a, replace, uh, a reprieve. And there was no, this was uh, no doubt a mild, it was just a, a really a, a reprieve for their hunger. And God does this by performing a miracle of manna. Now, we didn't read the rest. He addresses the, the, the flesh bit as well. He provides quail as well for meat. We'll focus on the manna this morning, but God provides that kind of reprieve. He, he provides them a miraculous a thing called manna. And, and manna, it's translated as what is it? Because really the people, when they saw it, they didn't know what it was. It just sort of came out of heaven. And um, really what, what this teaches us, it teaches us about God's grace even in our times of lack. And, and I think uh, all of us here, if we would recognize that there's been times and there's been things that in our own lives we've looked to God and we've lacked. We've Sometimes we've looked for uh, some things that are good for us and in our hungering for that. We've even accused God, but in His grace, He supplies for our lack. And you understand that in, in the end of it, no matter how you got it, it was from God. 
No, no matter what that, that lack was, God is able to supply. And often in our lack, we can be tempted to look to former things or how the world does things as a means to supply. And we can look to human reasoning or we can look to our former life and, and perhaps even be tempted to go uh, previous to our salvation and go, oh, well, I didn't have these lack, this lack prior to this. And yet we recognize that we have a good God, don't we? We have a God who's gracious even in times of lack. And, and again, the attitude that they had was they, they just wished in, in verse 3, would to God we had died. But he, they say, by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. How curious. They look to their past and the means of which the world supplied them of their lack, of their want. And again, we can, we can be that way as well. You know, when we go through hardship in the will of God, we can t- look to what was rather than what is. Or what we can't doubt, though, was, this, was God's will for them. It, it was God's will for them to go through this. Look at Exodus chapter 13. Go back with me. Exodus chapter 13. And look at verses, uh, verses 17 and 18. Notice what he says in verse 17. It came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go. Remember, God sent Moses to, uh, to be the, the, uh, the one to redeem the people out of Egypt. And so he goes to Pharaoh and, and then those ten plagues. And finally, after the tenth one, they go and they're now finally released that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines. And then notice this, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. So God had a plan. If you look at a map of, of where Egypt is and where the land of the Philistines are, you see that it's, it's pretty, pretty much a, short, a, a straight shot due west. Sorry, due east of where, where they were at. And so they were going, they, it, was, it was pretty much a straight road there, but God said, that's not my will. I'm going to let them go through, and then they go south, and then they cross the Red Sea over through to the wilderness. And, and really God allowed that. In verse 18, but God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. So it was God's will that they journeyed. And sometimes we think that, that the easy way or the near way is the best way. But God would often show us in His Word that the near way, the shortcut, isn't the best way. And so He leads them through this longer part of, a longer way through to the promised land. And again, it's still under His promise. And along the way, they found some challenges. They found some hardship. You know, when we go through sometimes in the hardships in the will of God, we too can look to what was. But what we find is when we're following God's will, there will be hardships at times. There will be times where we feel a sense of lack. There will be times where we, in our hungering, even be tempted to complain about the provision of God. And there's times in our lives where as we're journeying to follow the will of God, we'll be surprised by trials. We'll be surprised by troubles. We'll be surprised by, by the, the hardship of it all. And what I'm saying is trials and lack at times, 
they're really part and parcel of what God allows in the midst of His will. So don't be surprised, brethren, this, this morning, that as you journey, that there's going to be some complications along the way. That there's going to be times where we will hunger, where we will feel a sense of lack about certain things. And, and you know, the near way isn't always God's way. And God will allow trials and troubles at times to come along. And at times God allows a need to become heightened so that really He can meet it in His own way. And you know, our barrenness makes way for God's abundance. And we see that here in this story. And what we'll learn about today really is a simple lesson on, on, on how God supplies. How does God supply? You know, as we go in our journey of life, there's going to be some times where we're going to need God to supply for certain needs. We're going to need God to, to come and, 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 and really stand to supply that need where nowhere, nowhere else we can find it. And in terms of following His will, the, the manna was a reminder that God's supplies are far better than the world's supply. And that God is mighty in His provision to His people. And I appreciated the song that the young people sang. Because I think it, it really just reminds us straight away that God never forsakes His people. And whilst you know, we live in a country that's really abundant in, in physical supply, there will be times where there's a need in our lives that really can't be met anywhere else, but God has to do it. And maybe you're in that position right now. Maybe you're, you're here this morning and you're, uh, you're looking for some work. And you're, you're, you're needing to supply for your family that way. And you're thinking, well, I've tried. Well, it doesn't seem to be. There seems to be a bit of barrenness there. And I'm hungering for this. And there's no other way. And I want to remind you today that you have a faithful God. Maybe in other means, maybe you're looking to your future and, and, and maybe in a relationship, you're, you're looking at that and there's a barrenness there in your life. And, and maybe you're thinking, well, how's this going to happen? Can I just remind you that God is faithful? That God is able this morning. And, and maybe you're a young person and you're, there's some things in your life that you're looking for for the future and there just seems to be no way. And can I just remind you this morning that God knows. And God hears at times our complaints as well. And what we're going to learn about is really God, how God supplies today. And let's pray. We'll ask the Lord as we get into the, the message this morning. Father, thank you again, Lord, for your ability to not only know us, but Lord, know the, the needs and, and know the, the lack that we have in our lives. Thank you, dear God, that in the midst of that, that Lord, even at times when we complain, Lord, you are able to show grace and you're able to then supply. And thank you for the, the reminder this morning, even through your word. Lord, I pray that you would please help us this morning. And, and I don't know where, where everyone is, but I believe, Lord, this is the message that you would have me to preach this morning. So I ask that you'd please just enable me. Lord, enable us to learn as we, we look at this familiar passage of Scripture. And Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it supplies our lack of wisdom. We thank you that it supplies our lack of understanding. And thank you that, dear God, you, you give it to us this morning. And I pray that you'd just enable me. Pray, Lord, for the, each hearer that you'd fill them with your spirit as well. 
And I pray that you'd free us from any distraction this morning in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And, and notice with me as we, we think about this this morning, uh, manna in the wilderness. How does God supply? Firstly, note with me that God's supply at times comes through heavenly means in, in ways that we don't always expect and understand. You, you understand that as, they, as we read this, that, that at times we can become a little desensitized to, to really how amazing this is. Read with me there in verse 4 what he says, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never seen that before. I've never seen that before. Now, you're thinking, well, I've seen that before. Well, you've probably seen a cartoon or something. Because that, that's not happened in our lifetime. You, you've probably never seen that. Um, and, and we understand that God can supply through ordinary means. He supplies through, through nature. He supplies through just the ordinary processes of life. You know, for you young people, you're, you're, maybe you're lacking an understanding of your future. You understand that, that as part of the process of life through time, God reveals that through time. So through ordinary means, God supplies. But even through ordinary means, there's a sense of mystery about that. Uh, you think about how God supplies water. You know, we're praying for rain, aren't we? Aren't we? It's a drought. There's, there's dryness in our nation right now. And so there's a lack there. And, and you know, we understand somewhat the dynamics of, of rain, how, how uh, all of that condensation and so forth happens. And, but the, the reality is we don't really, we can't produce water. We know what it's made of, but you understand, God, we can't produce water. You can't. So there's a certain sense of mystery even about an ordinary means. You understand that, that we, we, we know a little bit about how plants grow. But we really can't explain how a seed goes into the ground, it dies, and then from it sprouts life. There's a certain sense of mystery about how even God ordinarily supplies. But there's times in our lives where there's beyond that, God gives to us through just heavenly means, means by which we don't expect, we don't understand. And if we had never read Scripture and you were faced with this situation, you put yourself in that situation, if you were to guess how God would address their need, I wonder what we would come up with. I wonder what we would come up with. You know, some, some of you, you're... you're thinking, well, it would have been nice if they just walked around the corner and there was a McDonald's there. Or maybe for some of you ladies, a never-ending packet of Tim Tam. But, but here's what God chose to do. He chose to rain bread from heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty amazing thing. God chose to, to rain bread from heaven, and God did it in His own way, in no other way that anyone could have ever expected. It rained bread. And what we find is as they journey through the wilderness in, in, in search and in following the will of God, God does so often do the unexpected and, and supply in ways in which they never could understand. You know, later on, God will supply water from a rock. You know, later on, we read about a prophet who gets supplied food from a raven. 
Later on, we see that his needs are met by a widow. And, and you know, we, we read through all of these things in Scripture, and God has the ability to supply through ordinary means. But God, in His might and His power, can also supply through unexpected and, and even in times in ways that we don't understand. And God can do that. He, he, he does that. And we think about in John chapter 6, the lad with the five loaves and two fishes. You know, unlikely they were searching for food to feed this multitude of people, the 5,000 plus that was there. And you think out of all the crowd, you imagine if you had a lineup of the usual suspects that could provide, I doubt that if the, even the lad was in that lineup, you would have picked him to be the one that would provide. But you understand that God knew that lad was there. God knew that he would step forward, and, and we know the Scripture He already knew what he was going to do. He multiplied the bread and he multiplied all of that and he fed a multitude through an unlikely and sometimes, and actually in a way we didn't understand because later on we see that there were 12 fragments of of bread, 12 baskets full of fragments of bread. And God supplied even more abundantly than he had to. And what I'm saying is God doesn't necessarily have to supply our need through ordinary means. He does. In fact, He's faithful in that. In fact, we do need to take a bit more time to recognize even in the ordinary means the mystery of God and how He does that. But at times when we're in, we're in great need and we call out to God and we don't know how, we don't know which way, we don't really understand how He's going to do it. Can I remind you this morning, God still will and God still can. And so God looks at that situation and He could have answered it any myriad of ways. Because God's not not contained like we are contained, like we are limited. God is unlimited. God is inexhaustible. And in His His might and in His power, He looks down and He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to rain manna from heaven. I'm going to give you something that's, that's really... No ordinary means. I'm going to give it, give it to you in a way that you don't expect. And you know, sometimes I look at my life and I look at some desires that I had that were godly desires. You know, when I was a young man, I was called to the ministry at 16 years old. And you understand in Australia, there's no real pathway to, to be in the ministry full time, so to speak. And so, you know, I just called out to God often about that and I would ask Him and and you know, to my surprise, when I went to my counselors, it wasn't through ordinary ways. I, I went to my counselor and said, which Bible college should I go to? They said, no, you're not going to Bible college. I said, we, we would like you to stay here and, and we'd like you to intern. And so I did that. That wasn't ordinary means. I'd never heard of that here in Australia. So we did, I did that for a little while. Then I went to my dad and I said, look, I really think I should focus on. And you know what he said? Look, you promised me that you'll go to uni. And I didn't understand it, but I, I said, yes, so well, I did promise. So I went to university. I studied an accounting degree, majoring in economics. And I don't know how that fits in, but now I'm a pastor. <laughs> and, and, and what he did was he used university, secular, to get in, me into ministry because I didn't know it at the time, but I, our pastor at the time had in his heart to start a Christian school. 
And because I had a university degree, I was able to then work within that, the scope of that and actually administrate that school. And by that way, God opened up a way for a 21-year-old young man to be full-time in the ministry working within the context of our local church. But it was no ordinary means. It, it was just God. He, he did it through the unexpected. And, and you know, sometimes we, we think about situations in our lives and we, in our desperation, don't understand or can't really see how that can be solved. And yet God, in His mercy and grace, looks down on us and He says, I'll give to that. I'll, 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 I'll take care of that. And you know, I, there's that saying that we often hear, you can't outgive God. But I want to tell you this morning, you can't count God out. You can't count Him out. You know, you might look at your life, you might look at your lack, you might look at the, the need for that certain thing in your life that you're, is, is right. And, and you might be thinking, well, how is God going to do that? Can I just say, I don't know. <laughs> but I just know this. If God looks, that, looks at that and He sees it fit, then He'll supply it anyway. And it might be through ordinary means, but often He can also do it through unexpected and ways we don't understand. And again, this supply that He gave was really undergirded by His promise to them. And His promise to them was they were going to go to the promised land. And so His supply was undergirded by His promises. But, but really, this complaint... It was met out of grace. You understand, these people, they, they, they will see and will see later on. If you read through the book of Exodus, they had a, they had a penchant for murmuring and complaining. And they had, a, they had a penchant for whinging about every situation that they found themselves in. And yet, none of those times, God let them down. You know what that is, church? That's grace. That's grace. And so, He met the complaint out of grace. And in verse 7, he heareth your murmurings against the Lord. Can I just say God hears everything? Even thoughts that you don't say, he hears. Even the murmurings in your heart that no one else knows about, he hears. And, and at times, even when our attitude is, is wrong, he hears us. And you know what? We don't deserve it, but in God's grace, he still supplies, he still gives. And God's response to our complaining is grace. You know, in weakness, it's grace. In suffering, it's grace. In good times, it's grace. In, in abundance, it's grace. In our successes, it's grace. It's all God's grace. And even when we don't deserve it, He still supplies you know, when we must remember, what we must remember today is that God already, He already, for these people, He brought them out in grace. He took them out and He heard their complaints in, the, in, in, in their slavery, in their hardship, even in Egypt. And He took them out and He, he, he redeemed them to, as a people for His own. And now in their complaint here in their journey, he again responds in grace. And can I say to you this morning, His grace is sufficient. We don't need to look in other means. We can trust the God who is a God of grace. And, 
you know, this, this supply that he gave, you know, it just wasn't just supply. It was just, it just tasted good. In, in verse 15, we see in Exodus chapter 16, notice this, and when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, is manna. For they wist not that it, what it was. And Moses said unto them, this is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. In, in verse 31, notice there, and the, um, the house of Israel called the name thereof manna. And no, notice he describes it. It was like coriander seed, white. And notice this, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Now, I, don't really, I can't really imagine what that really looked like. In my mind, I don't know, I just I liken it to Cinnamon Toast Crunch, all right? But that's just me. But he looks at that and he goes, it tastes like honey, and it's like coriander seed. Look at Numbers chapter 17, uh, chapter 11. Look at Numbers chapter 11, and he describes it. And um, look, at, look at verse 7 and 8. And the manna was as coriander seed in the color thereof as the color of bedillium. And the people went about and gathered it and ground it in mills or beat it in a mortar and baked it in pans and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was the taste of fresh oil. You just imagine that mix, you know. They could bake it. They, they could make something out of it. And, and, you know, here's what I'm saying. You know, even when God does supply in that miraculous way, He doesn't just supply in, in, in plainness. You know, He supplies to beautify our lives at times, to flavor our lives, to help us taste and see that the Lord is good. And, and when we get a taste of God's supply, we understand it's good. It's good. And it's, it, it really, in, 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 in His supply, He gave them ability to make something of the supply. And that's, that's how, how good God is. When we, they didn't understand what it was. They kept saying, manna, what is it? Uh, we can't even put a name to it. What is it? But they just understood it tasted good. <laughs> and, and sometimes we don't understand how God supplies, but we just know that God is good. That God, in His goodness, He, he gives something to, to make of our lives. But then, really, in, this, in, in the way he, he supplied it's satisfied in a different way to Egypt. See, whilst the people only had Egypt in their hearts, God wanted to show them a greater way. And, and you know, sometimes when you look at someone who's just recently been saved, they, they're still trying to work out who God is and what God is all about. And they're trying to figure out, and then God gives them something to help them understand who He is. And, and what He's doing there is God's trying to not only uh, get them out of Egypt, which is a picture of the world, which is a picture of us previously in our lost condition. But he's trying to get Egypt out of their hearts. Because sometimes you can take the person out of Egypt, but you can't take a, the Egypt out of the person. And that's what God was doing. He was trying to show them that he can satisfy in much greater ways than what their former life could ever do. And God, in providing supply, gave them a more satisfying way than Egypt. And you think about how God does that in so many different ways. You know, previous to you knowing that salvation by, was through Christ, by grace through faith, you probably thought that the way to heaven, the way to be satisfied with your life was to work hard, to, to do good works, to be better than your neighbor, to follow the law, to be under the bondage of the law. And yet God made a better way, a more satisfying way. You know, the Bible tells us in John chapter 6, 
Verse 58, this is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. And he that eateth of this bread shall live forever. You know who he was referring to? Jesus, the bread of life. And, and you know, the world looks at how it is that they're supposed to live. The world looks at the good works. The world looks at means of which they think they can elevate themselves and change their lives. Self-help ways to, to figure out how to live life. And God's given them a better way. In fact, He just provided it in a miraculous way. He came down Himself. And He became the bread of life to satisfy the longing of your soul. And, and maybe you're here this morning and in your lost condition, there's something lacking. You know, your eternity is not secure. You know that you have no security in the life beyond this life. Can I say God came from heaven and He laid His life down on the cross and if you would just receive Him as your Savior, if you would put away your trust in your own works and trust Him in grace, by faith you'll be saved. And I want to encourage you today. You know, God gives in satisfying ways. He satisfies in a different way to Egypt. He, he does that even through our finances. You know, um, if you think about it, when we give to God, we're giving a portion of our finances away and we have less than we started with. But you know, somehow it works better. If you've ever been consistent in your giving to God, you'll know this, God just does it better. When we trust Him with our finances, we give like we should, then what He says is that He, he gives He's the bread. He, he, he satisfies. He's the one that then He says, you know, press down. Shaken together. He says that it's better to give than to receive. And somehow the 90% that is left over for our usage, God extends further. And the economics and the finance doesn't work. But God makes sense of it all. And God does that. In in. In greatness, you know, sometimes we look for greatness in our lives. And we see the typical way that the world portrays greatness as, as success, as elevating yourself, as, 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 uh, as being lifted up. And yet God says the opposite. He says, if you're, you're to be the greatest, then you ought to be the servant of all. And He, he turns our world upside down. But somehow... His way is way better than any way. You know why? Because God doesn't only supply ordinarily. Sometimes He does it in unexpected and, and in ways that we don't always understand. But you know, there's, a, there's, there's, a, there's an ingredient to that that we need to remember. The ingredient is trust. You know, the reason why we try to go our own way is because of the, the, the real wrong that the people of Israel had, and their real wrong was a mistrust of God. And, and so God doesn't have to provide or supply in ordinary means, although He does. But God certainly can supply in ways that we don't expect and in ways that we don't always understand. But then secondly, we see, go back to Exodus chapter 16, and no, notice verse 4 again. 
Notice here, and I will rain bread from heaven. And notice the next thing, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day. Now he'll, he'll specify what that is. It's an omer. It's a standard measure, but he says you're going to have to gather. Okay, so God's, God's able to supply. But, you know, God's supply, it's, here's the second thing, still comes with the responsibility we need to fulfill. You know, sometimes we live in a world where we want something for next to nothing. Right? We, we go out and we want the best price on everything, and that's not a bad thing. But here's sometimes what we tend to do. We tend to then across the board in all of our lives, we want that. You know, we want, we want a good family without praying and loving. We want a good church without serving and committing. We want a good job but won't show character. We want to change society but won't live like salt and light like we're called to. And God wants to supply those things that are good, but it comes with the responsibility to fulfill. You see, God faithfully supplies, but Him faithfully supplying doesn't mean that He'll do it all. His blessing comes with instruction. And whilst He did this miraculous thing, He rained bread from heaven. There was still an instruction to go and gather it at a certain rate. There was still a responsibility for them that they needed to fulfill. And and this responsibility was to gather the manna. And again, whilst not all of God's supply requires work, salvation doesn't require our work. It just... It's just an invitation that we accept. Breathing doesn't take any work. All right? Unless you're unfit, like me sometimes, and you're running and breathing takes a lot of work. But you know, all of God's supply really has an attached responsibility. You consider the parable of the talents. God gave several different amounts to certain people, but they also had a responsibility. And in fact, the one who had the one talent who hid it under the ground, he was the one that was rebuked. He was the one that wasn't complimented by the Lord. And, and he was the, un, uh, the, the, unprofit, uh, the one that was, uh, didn't use the, the talent for usury. And what that was teaching us was this idea of stewardship. You know, whilst God did a miraculous, miraculous thing in the life of Israel here, and He supplied in a way that they didn't expect, in a way that they didn't understand, it doesn't mean that they took it and they took it for granted. They still had to be a steward of it. And, and maybe you're here this morning and you're asking for a good thing in your life. Can I just say that that's not a free pass to use whatever you want with it. God still has an expectation that you will be responsible with it. That, that you will do something with it that He instructs. And you know, often... What it is, our perceived lack of supply is really a, a lack of stewardship. Now, sometimes the lack in our lives is really not caused by God at all. It's caused by our irresponsibility. You know, you, we live in a society today that's excessive, isn't it? We live in a world today that, that excess is king, where, where the more we have and the more we waste our money on other things the more glamorous and the more fitted you are to this life. And yet, God calls us to stewardship. That doesn't mean that we just live stingy lives. It just means we're wise with what we do with what He gives us. 
And so it requires responsibility. It requires obedience. In verses 19 to 20, turn down the passage with me. Notice there, in verse 19, And Moses said about the manna, Let no man leave of it till the morning. And notice what happened. So he instructs them, don't, don't leave of it. He's saying, don't, don't store it for the next day. He said, use it up. Use it up to its fullest. So gather it at a certain rate, but use it. So he says that, but notice this, what happened. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses, but some of them left of it until the morning, and it, was, it bred worms and stank, and Moses was wroth with them. He, he was angry. And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating, and when the sun waxed hot, it melted. So this manna was really a daily supply, and there's a lesson there, isn't there? Isn't there? But, but he said, use it to the rate that I ask you and use it to its fullest. Don't, don't, don't waste it, is what he was saying. And then here's what it is. Trust me for tomorrow. He's saying, obey. You know, sometimes our lack of obedience really is a disguise for our lack of trust. When we look at the supply that God gives us and we don't use it to what it was intended to be used for, that's disobedience. And they had to fulfill God's will for what they were given. This is obedience. And again, you know, sometimes we ask God for more, but we won't obey Him in the little. The Bible tells us, He that is faithful in the least will be faithful in much. You know, some of you here, you're, you're asking for God to extend you further. You're, you're, you're asking Him to help you with your journey to take the next step, and yet you won't use up what God's given you now. You know, you're, you're, some of you, you're asking, well, uh, Lord, I, I, I want to follow your will. I want to do this. I want to do that. But you won't be even faithful in the simple things. You know, often when a young person tells me that they, they feel like they've been called to the ministry, the first question I ask them is this, how do you do with the chores that you have at home? And you're, they're like, what does that have to do? It has everything to do with it. If you can't even make your bed, if you can't even do what you're supposed to do, how will you do those things of faith? How will you do those things that are of much more greater value and greater, greater measure when you won't be even faithful in the least? And what I'm saying is it requires obedience. Don't expect God to give you greater supply if you won't obey Him in the least. You know, sometimes we ask God to, for more. We have goals, we have plans, and we want to be able to, uh, to supply for that, and yet you won't even use what God has already given you today like you should. And so His supply still comes with a responsibility we need to fulfill, and that responsibility is to obey. But then the other responsibility is to be content. You see, there was contentment that was attached to this, and we, we didn't read it, but in verses 16 to 17, notice with me, this is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Gather of it every man according to his eating, an omer for every man according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them which are in his tents. And the children of Israel did so and gathered some more and some less. So there were some who had a family of five, and so they gathered for five. 
For some, there was a family of two, they gathered for two. Or some, a family of 15, they gathered for 15. So according to the number of people under their tent, that's how much they gathered. Some less, some more. But you know what that was? They were, he was saying, don't count someone else's manna. Count your own manna. You know, sometimes with our kids, they, they have different levels of different levels of, uh, of pocket money because they're different ages. We stagger it. And sometimes they'll get given that and they're like, oh, that's not fair. How come they got that? And you know, we sort of tolerate that with children. They don't understand. But sometimes as people, as adults, we're exactly the same. Oh, God, you gave them that. How about me? When God's saying, gather for yourself. He said, I supply for you, your need. And you know, there's a danger of comparison, isn't there? Of keeping up, and, and yet God's not supplying that. But you know what it is? Be content. See, contentment is the attitude of trusting God that He's given us what we need and what He sees fit for us. You see, the Omer, he was a certain measure. It was a standard me- measure. Yet you had to gather for what you needed, not wanted. Each was to gather for theirs and not others. There was no, again, there was no point comparing. And, and he, there's, there's a sense that we need to have contentment. That's a, that's a requirement. You know, sometimes it's not really a lack that's in our lives. It's really just discontentment. And what God was trying to teach was in His supply, we have responsibilities too. God's not a welfare God. And he, he's given that in his, in his graciousness. He's given that, that in his supply, but he's, asked, he's given that with, our, with instruction also. And so God's supply is, is at times given in ordinary means, but, but certainly he's able to give in, mean, in ways that we don't expect or understand. God's, God's uh, supply comes with responsibility still to fulfill. Notice the third thing though, look at, look at verse 4 again. Sorry, Exodus chapter 16. Notice verse 4 again. It says, And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day. Notice this, what he says, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. So put it in context. God had already done some miraculous things. He parted the Red Sea for them. He already saved them out of Egypt. He had already taken care of the Egyptian army that was chasing them. He already provided a a shade, a a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night to guide them and to show them the way. And here they were in a basic thing of hunger and they were complaining. And, And what he was trying to show the people, he was trying to prove them. He was trying to show them their real character. He was trying to show them that Regardless of his supply, it was the issue was in their heart. See, God's supply is given to prove us, not spoil us. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, there's a commentary of the, really his purpose there. He says in, in verse 3, And he humbled thee, and suffered thee, thee to hunger, and feed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, 
but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. He's saying, you know, it's not the supply that's important. It's your heart that's important. So I was trying to prove you. I was trying to humble you. We know later on that Jesus himself quotes that in Matthew chapter 4. He was tempted in the wilderness. There's a picture there. He was tempted there of the devil to, to give up the promises that was given him, to give up the fact that he was on a mission to, to, to satisfy a short-term need. And yet Jesus himself rebukes Satan with this verse. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so God supplies, God supplies to prove. And, you know, if, if, if God does supply your need, can I just remind you that the goodness of God ought to bring you to repentance? Listen, God's supply isn't to puff us up. God's supply isn't to make us feel like we're anything. God's supply isn't there to spoil us. God's supply is there to prove us. It's to prove that he is, he is a righteous God. It's to prove in our hearts that God is listening. You see, lean times and plenty, they, they had to purpose to trust God. And here in this lean time, God was listening. And the people could be tempted to think that God is no longer listening. And, and sometimes we're tempted to, to think that God no longer cares when we're going through a hardship when we're going through a lack, and yet God's just trying to prove us. God's just trying to show us something. It Really, it proved that God was able. He wasn't only listening, He was able. See, the people, again, were tempted to think that God wasn't able. They wanted to run back to Egypt. They wanted to run back to the way they knew how. And yet God, in His grace and in His power, He proved that He was able. You know, it provided, it really, at the end of it, it proved that the people were just obstinate. They were unbelieving. They were in times of their lives, in, in this particular time, again, untrusting of God. And what we ought to come to is humility at God's grace to us. See, God's supply shouldn't puff us up. I heard a story about a kid who he wanted to buy a bike. And so, you know, he took out his piggy bank and shook all the coins out and he totaled it all up. He had $5. So he went to his dad and he said, Dad, I, I really want to buy a bike. I've, I've saved up my money. I've got $5. So they go to the, the bike store and they look around, you know, try every bike, every, every color under the sun. And finally he settles on this nice blue bike and he says, this is the one. And goes to the counter and goes to buy the bike and they scan it and the, the little, little guy goes, here's, here's $5 for the bike. And Right there, the dad was standing behind the son, and he gives a little wink to the cashier. And, and sure enough, she hands over the bike. She, she gives the $5, and off he goes. He goes excitedly to his mom. He says, I bought a bike. I bought a bike. But we know the story. We, but we know what happened. After the kid ran off, the, the dad paid the balance. He supplied the rest. And, you know, sometimes we think that you know, the, the, what God has supplied us with, we, we take it and we think it's all. And we don't even understand that we have a Heavenly Father who behind the scenes is supplying even more. 
and we think we're sufficient. We think we've got it. And yet behind the scenes, we have a good heavenly father who's taking care of the rest. And you know what? At times, we can get puffed up. And, and what God is doing in his supply, he's trying to prove us. He's trying to humble us. He's trying to help us see that we need him. And can I just remind you, church, this morning that we need to depend on God. And God might have supplied your needs this week, and, and he may have given you even abundance. And yet, in all of that, he's just trying to prove you. Will you trust him or not? Will you trust him in lack? Will you trust him in plenty? Will you trust him in failure? Will you trust him in success? Will you trust him in your journey? Will you trust him if the, if the sun goes up tomorrow or not? Will you trust him if your uh, bank balance dries up or it's full? No, he's trying to prove you. And God, in his graciousness to us, is trying to position us to a place where we're dependent on him. But really, at the end of it, notice another detail. Look at verse 5. And so God's supply comes. He can do it in ordinary means, but at times He does it in unexpected ways, in ways we don't even understand. God's supply, it requires some responsibilities to be fulfilled. God's supply is given to us to prove us, not spoil us. But then lastly, God's supply never undermines His plan. Notice there, and it shall come to pass, that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto all the children of Israel, And even then ye shall know that the Lord hath brought you out from the land of Egypt. So we see here that the sixth day, this day, of, this day that is, uh, is preceding, of course, the seventh day, the, the Sabbath, what we'll, they'll learn later is a sign between them and his, God and Israel, uh, as a sign of the covenant, the agreement that they are His people forever. And we see here that God's plan was that there was to be rest on the seventh day. And so what He told them was, on the sixth day, gather twice, and tomorrow you won't need to gather. So, so again, God was supplying, but God was also not undermining what He had already planned for them. And, and he, supplies, he supplies so that we can obey not to give us an excuse to disobey. So he already is instituting here the Sabbath. He's saying, rest, I'm going to give you enough so that you can obey me. You know, sometimes we ask for, uh, for God's supply in our lives. Maybe, uh, maybe work. And, and only then to squander the money that he gives on things that displease God. You know, God doesn't, doesn't give you so that you can circumvent His will. His intention for the supply is to honor His will. And so He wanted to honor the Sabbath, which, which was his, his will for them. And so in order to do so, He supplied enough. You know, sometimes we pray for God to give us a family, only for us to skip church to spend more time with them. It doesn't make sense. His supply doesn't circumvent His plan. You know, his, his supply, it doesn't go against His commands. Again, the Sabbath was a sign between Israel and God to signify His covenant with them. And so God supplied enough manna for them 
so that they could still obey the Sabbath. And that's why when we follow after the will of God for certain things and and God supplies that, then we don't use that to just go around His command. We don't use that to further ourselves. We use that in line with what God expects of us. Uh, His commands didn't mean His people would lack. You know, sometimes we think this about God, that if we follow Him, we'll not have enough. If we follow Him, we'll have to surrender everything and, and we'll be like everyone else, all of the sob stories that we hear about. And I understand, like, again, we've, we've started this whole premise with the fact that the people of God were in His will and they were hungering. And so there, we have no doubt there are times where we'll have to ask. But you know, at the end of it all, His people never lacked. You know, sometimes we can have an attitude that if we follow God, somehow we miss out. We miss out on the fun. We miss out on a certain lifestyle. We miss out on this and that. But you know, the reality is we don't. Hey, Christian, stop thinking that as a Christian you miss out. Listen, you have far more than the lost will ever have. You've got eternity secure. You've got the peace that passes all understanding. You've got the Spirit of God that that is in you, that lives and dwells in you. You can have the every joy of heaven if you would just trust Him. You know, those things that are peripheral, those things that the Gentiles seek, those things that the lost seek, listen, all of that God take, can take care of. And he says in Matthew 6.33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all, all these things shall be added unto you. He's given that promise. And, you know, at times we have this attitude that somehow we miss out. You know, the Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish. You know, sometimes the attitude is when, when we're following God, I don't, there's an attitude, I don't want to give God my life because He might make me do something I hate. That's a, that's a, that's a wrong attitude about God. You know, God knows us better than we know ourselves. God knows what, what is best. And, you know, I, I think about uh, the past. I, I had some similar thoughts. I was afraid of what God would make me do. I was afraid of being called to do things and, and to lack things. And yet, you know what I've seen in my life? As I follow God, God has supplied over and over and over and over and over and over. I think you get it. And over again. And you know, some of you don't get that because you've look, been looking to the ordinary means. You, you've just taken it for granted. And you've not realized it's been God all along. And you know what we learned from manna is that God never failed. That God, even when we didn't deserve it, He still did a miracle. He, he still supplied. And often in our lacking we forget that we have a God in heaven who is able to supply. Often He'll do it through ordinary means, but at times He will do the unexpected and unthinkable. He faithfully supplies to prove us and to grow us in our trust in Him. And His supply comes with instruction and never undermines what He's already given by command. You know, in all of it, we learn that He gives in grace. And really, at the end of it, we can trust Him for the rest of our journey. 
And maybe you're at the, that juncture this day. Maybe there's a lack in your life. Maybe there's something you're seeking for and there's a lack. Can I, can I just encourage you today? God is able. And God, in His grace, He, he looks down upon us. And, you know, he, he, He'll supply. And if you, we seek Him and, and we, we know the, the journey ahead, we understand that God is able. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank You, Lord, for the opportunity this morning to just open Your Word again. And, Father, we know that, you know, sometimes we can get into this attitude of murmuring and complaining and really disguised in all of that is, is, a, is a heart that is mistrusting of you or a heart that hasn't really sought you. And Father, I just come knowing that, Lord, in a room this size, that Lord, there's many of us who at this, even this point, there's a certain lack in our lives and we're seeking after it. And yet, Lord, I pray that we won't trust in the ways of before. We won't trust in the world's way. But we'll wait upon you to do it your way. Pray that you'd help each and every one of us here this morning to just look to you in our lack. And, and Father, many of all of us here, we certainly lack wisdom. We certainly lack, at times, understanding. We certainly, at times, lack some some supply that we need to follow after your plan and your will. And yet, Lord, in all of that, I pray that you'd help us to understand that you are faithful to supply. So I pray that you'd help this morning. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, the piano is going to begin to play. And I'm just going to simply ask you this morning, firstly, if you're here, if you're here today and maybe your lack is really a lack of knowing where your eternity is going to be. Maybe you're here this morning, if I were to ask you this question, if you were to die today, would you know for sure that your sins are forgiven, that heaven's your home? Has there ever been a time where you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? And I'm not asking if you're a member of the church. I'm not asking if you're, you're a good person, if you're, if you're a religious person. I'm asking if you're saved. I'm asking, have you trusted Christ as your Savior? And can I just repeat here that He is the bread of life. And He can supply your lack this morning by simply believing, by simply trusting Him and looking to Him for your salvation. And I wonder if there's anyone here today just with an uplifted hand, just say, Pastor, just pray for me. If I were to die today, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know where I'd be headed. And I'd like to know, is there anyone here this morning just with an uplifted hand, just say, please pray for me. Anyone here at all? Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure. Anyone here? I don't see any hands. And maybe Christian, I wonder how you're, you've been. I wonder if there's any lack in your life that you're seeking God and you're seeking for I wonder if you would just testify this morning that you're, gonna, you're willing to trust God. You're willing to understand that He has the ability to meet that need. And just with an uplifted hand, just say, Pastor, pray for me in that. Pray for me in that. 
All right, I see those hands. I see many hands. I see those hands there. See those hands. Thank you. You can put them down. Maybe some of you here and would just simply say, Pastor, just pray for me. I just want to, I just want to recognize again just God's grace, God's grace this week and God's grace in my life. And I, I just want to just be more thankful and recognizing where all my supply comes from. Is there anyone here? Say, Pastor, pray for me. All right. All right, let's all stand to our feet. I want to invite you, if you raise your hand this morning, if you raise your hand, don't delay. Why don't we come to the altar? Why don't we just bring it to the Lord in prayer? If there's a need that you have and you've not sought God for it, if you've not sought Him for His supply in your life, then I want to encourage you to come to this altar this morning. And Why don't you just do business with the Lord? If you raise your hand, I want to invite you to come to this altar this morning. If you raise your hand, why don't you come? Why don't we do business with the Lord as we take this time?